Hi, I'm Robbie. And I'm Abby. And this is the Grow Up Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I'm going to just jump right into the productive thing we did for ourselves this week. Abby and I both actually have the same productive thing that we did because we did it sort of together. And that thing is creating 2018 goals. And when I started doing this, it wasn't necessarily about creating 2018 goals. It actually was structured more like short-term, medium-term, and long-term. And the medium-term goals just happened to be 2018 goals for me. But the point of that was just to kind of get back on track in terms of personal life, professional life. And I had what I noticed was I had the goals already in my head, and I just wanted to, um, or it was nice to put them on paper and kind of write out a few action steps and the purpose of why I want to reach that goal. And it just helped me structure it and it helps me think about it a little bit better than just keeping all those thoughts up in my head. And Abby, you did that same exercise and how did that go for you? I really loved it. I've never structured, I mean, you know, we've written goals and resolutions in the past, but this was the first time I really put professional goals in on paper as well. And I just really liked it to kind of see how, see everything that I need to do for the next, call it five years or the big things that I think I'm going to do. And it also kind of gave me a kick in the butt because I realized how many things I have on like my short term list. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, as we said, like one to three months. So I kind of right, need to like, get You better started. get started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a lot of those things are just the first step in a longer term goal. So the longer I delay on that, the longer everything else gets pushed out. So I really liked it from that aspect of like, okay, here's what I need to do now. Here's what I can start thinking about. Those are the more midterm ones. Then long term is just like, keep it in your mind. Know that that's a... That's something that's coming up on the horizon. Yeah. And I like the short-term goals too, because it gives you something to go out and do today. Whereas like the three to five year ones, it's nice to have them on paper, but you don't necessarily need to do anything to work towards those right now. Yeah. And I also love that this can change and it's an editable Word document. And I, I sometimes get down on myself if I haven't accomplished a goal that I set I, I really hope that with this document, I can just keep updating it. And if a goal pushes out or moves up, that's fine. I just need to go with it. And as long as it's still a goal that I can work towards, then that's what I'm going to do. And I think we'll dive into those actual goals in a future episode and really take a deeper look into how we set goals and why we set certain goals. But let's move into today's segment, which is living and eating healthier without hating life. And that last part is really important, at least for me, because I am not so strict with myself when it comes to this topic. And that's important to me to be able to do and live healthier without hating my actual day-to-day life. Yeah, I agree. And actually, just to mirror what I just said, like adapting all of these things to your current life and your current routine and being easy on yourself if things do change or if you fall off the wagon for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, it's fine. You can always get yeah. back on. Right. I think both of us are the same way, but I typically set a goal for myself around being healthier. The last two years or last year and then the goals that I just set, it was more around going to the gym versus any other like healthy eating goals. And that's still my goal for this year. So continuing to go to the gym and figuring out a routine and type of workouts 
that work for me. That's been usually my biggest struggle. And I've found that when I do get into a good gym routine, some of the other things tend to follow. So I tend to just start eating healthier naturally because I'm feeling better and I'm going to the gym and I don't know, you just kind of get in this healthier headspace. And I found that that's probably the most important thing for me. So what is your current routine or your most recent gym routine? I tend to go to boutique fitness classes. Specifically, I go to Flywheel a lot in Seattle. And it's expensive. Um, It's definitely more expensive than normal gym. But the reason that I do it is I'm very externally motivated and That type of workout, a really heavy cardio workout, really makes me feel good. And I have somebody there, an instructor, and a room full of people that are all working towards kind of the same goal. And it it really works for me. Like I I work out really well in that setting. I am motivated to go to the classes, which is usually the hardest part for me is actually getting up, going to the gym. I want to go to the classes. I feel great after them. And it just kind of works for me. And not to mention the flywheel studio is about a 10 minute walk from my office. So I usually go after work. Um, And I try to go, I try to go two or three times per week. And that kind of comes and goes. Sometimes I'll be a little bit lazier. And then other times I'll, you know, maybe go four times a week, which is a very heavy week for me. Well, that sounds like a kind like a pretty nice routine you have there. What improvements or changes do you want to make to that? Well, I want to be more consistent with it. So I would like to stick to that throughout the year. So it's not necessarily like a reach goal, but just a goal that I just put down to make sure I continue doing that. And I would also like to find another type of workout that's a little bit more or that balances flywheel and heavy cardio out. So whether that's going to a gym, you know, occasionally, so maybe go to flywheel two times a week, and then a gym once a week, something like that, because the flywheel workout is only one type of workout, you kind of get cardio and like a light upper body workout, but you're not doing any other type of exercises there. Because it's a pretty intense spin class, right? Yeah, it's usually 45 minutes. What the one thing I really like about it is that it measures, there's a lot of data that you get from the class. So you know, how many miles you went, you know, your average torque. So like the resistance on the bike, you know, your average speed in the class, um, you know, how many calories you burn on average. So I like those types of things about it. And it's just a very heavy, like calorie burner, 45 minute session, really intense. And I have to do it after work because I do, it is a really intense workout. So I get really sweaty and I don't want to go into work after that. I just remembered that a few months ago on one of those like random Facebook videos that you have no idea how they show up on your timeline, uh, they, there was like an underwater spin class. So like your lower half of your body was actually in a pool on a bike. Mm-hmm. So you had like mm-hmm. the water resistance as well as like the bike oh, resistance. Oh yeah, that's got to be crazy. I'm just thinking about that now. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> what about you? Do you, you go to the gym and you have a slightly different routine? What's that look like? I actually don't go to the gym anymore. I've tried on and off throughout the years going to the gym. And honestly, the only two workouts that I've really kept with were one, whenever I was a few years ago, I was just going through a pretty like tough time in my life. And I ran every single day during lunch at work. I was really able to stick with that for the amount of time that I needed to. And then ever since then, I've just been like trying new things or going to my new gym at work. And 
I'm just not motivated to do that. And I really hate signing up for a gym membership and then not using it and then wasting a few months of money. But the most recent thing that's actually been working out really, really well, I mentioned a few episodes back, is that I get up at 6 a.m. every day, every weekday, and I do just like a 10 or 15 minute workout. It's either Pilates, yoga, or cardio. And so it's right whenever I wake up. It's before I shower. I am not dreading it throughout the day. I can just sort of go get it done. My cat thinks the yoga mat is like the coolest thing in the world. So it's like really funny to to do this with her. And she like watches the videos. I don't know. She's insane. <laughs> um, but it makes it like really enjoyable. And I'm a morning person anyway. So this isn't like a big change to my morning routine. It's just getting up and doing something. And I've been doing it for I want to say three or four weeks now and I've skipped a day here or there and as you said earlier like that's fine with me I mean it's I'm hardly breaking records here with 10 or 15 minutes of exercise each day but it's just really what I'm motivated enough to do each day and I've been really happy with my progress on that yeah that's really cool for some reason I thought you were going to the gym at work um I was this summer yes oh okay gotcha Yes, I I used the work gym during the summer and that was part of like a three-month stint where I I don't know what motivated this, but I really wanted to implement like each month a new healthy like task, I guess. So in May of this year, I cut back on my sugar intake. I definitely did not cut sugar out. I love sugar, but I I was realizing that I, I was probably eating like a dessert or two too many each day and you're only supposed to have, or at least I think women are supposed to have less than men. Um, it's like, don't quote me on this, but about 25 grams of sugar each day. And just to put that in perspective, like I don't drink a lot of pop, but a can of Pepsi has like 55 grams of sugar. So even half of that and you're already at your limit for the day. So I just wanted to make sure that I was keeping track of my sugar intake and monitoring it a little bit more and just trying to, the main thing I did was cutting out like a sugary snack during the day. So I would really just try to have one snack during the day. Like if they brought in donuts or cookies or cake at work for a birthday or whatever, I could have that if I wanted. But then after dinner, I couldn't have like my nightly bowl of ice cream, which I absolutely love. So I just made sure I was monitoring what I was intaking during each day. Yeah, I think I have similar eating habits to that. I I sort of tried to do a cutting back on sugar period of time. It didn't go so well. What I found was when, you know, sweets or cookies or things like that were brought into the office specifically, I ate them at work. Um, I don't typically snack on my own, especially not with sugary snacks at work. I do eat a lot of sugar. Um, I don't drink a lot of soda or anything like that, but I just know like after dinner, if I have like cookies or ice cream or things like that, it was hard for me to kind of eliminate all of that out. But one thing that I did that was sort of a compromise was for dessert, I would start making smoothies. And we've been doing that for a while now. So it is a lot of sugar still because it's fruit sugar, but it's just a bit of a healthier option than yeah, it's good sugar. maybe eating like cake or, you know, ice cream or something like that. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my compromise. But I sort of see it as a failure of my cutting back on sugar because I really wasn't even like monitoring it or anything like that. I found that to be a really hard 
a really hard um, eating habit to really keep track of and cut back on for me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember <laughs> talking to you like back in May, you were still living in Prague and I was like, oh yeah, I'm just like making sure I'm reading uh, the nutrition facts on labels now and just, you know, trying to see what's going on. And you were like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. And so you went to like a Prague grocery store and you were like, oh, I'm eating this much sugar, but you were actually like looking at the carbs or something because you didn't know yes. the words. <laughs> yes, because it's really confusing because in Prague, the word for sugar, well, so the words, Czech words don't look anything like English words. There's very few that you would look at and it translates to like an okay. English word that you would know. But there was one on the label that kind of looked like sugar, but it was. It turns out I did a translation like weeks later, maybe, and it turns out <laughs> it was carbs. So I was eating a low carb diet, which maybe is great, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't eating a low sugar diet. Yeah. So, you know, don't let small mishaps like that derail <laughs> you. You can always get back on the track. Um, another thing I did, so that was my May um, change in my diet, I guess. And then in June, I wanted to cut back on fried foods. So once again, not cut out fried foods because I love french fries, but just cut back on them. At the time, I really tried to keep it to two servings of fried food a week. So if I went out and got Chick-fil-A, which I love, so fried chicken and french fries, and that was I was done for the week. And I actually kept up with both of those like pretty well for the first couple of months. And then ever since then, I'm definitely still conscious about everything. And, um, but I'm, I'm not at, I sort of fell off in like August. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I'm still very conscious of the sugar, but the fried food, I don't know. I guess I don't eat that much fried food because we cook here most nights a week and I pack my lunch every that's, day. That's what so I was going to say. Yeah, I think the fried food one is hard if you're eating out a lot because you have yes. so many options in front of you and a lot of things are fried on menus. So that's much harder if you're eating out. But if you're cooking on your own, you're you're probably not making that much fried food, at least not deep fried food. Yeah, and this isn't necessarily an eating habit or a healthy food option. But one thing that I've been trying to do is just kind of I don't know how to put this other than sort of listen to my body. So if I'm feeling like either my head, if I'm like my head is cloudy, that to me is kind of an indicator that I should go to the gym because I know the gym helps me clear my head and it helps me get in a better headspace. Or, you know, just if you're feeling like a sickness is coming on or something like that. So I do try to take vitamins every day now, which I've been sticking with pretty consistently. And I've also, I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I do sometimes drink Soylent as a meal replacement. So it's not a dietary supplement. So you don't drink Soylent to lose weight, but you drink Soylent as a meal replacement. So basically it has 20% of your daily nutritional needs in one bottle of Soylent. And that's been a really efficient way for me to get 20% of my daily nutritional needs. So when I have a Soylent, I know that I'm at least getting, you know, vitamins and um, all sorts of things in that one drink, which has just been uh, kind of puts my mind at ease, making sure I'm getting, you know, balanced vitamins and things like that. That's awesome. And you're, I really love that you just said, like, listen to your body, because that just sort of reminded me why I got back into exercising over the past month was 
for the first time ever, my and I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or what, but my body felt like achy throughout September and October and just like my joints, not like to a severe extent by any means, but I could definitely tell like I like a little voice is like, Abby, you should probably be working out at least a little bit. And then I had just like a checkup with my PCP at the end of October and he asked if I was exercising and I was like, no, not really. And he's like, you really should. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, he says that to everyone, I'm sure, but it it was just like a combination of those two things that really guilted me into it and just like also motivated me to, as you said, listen to my body and to my doctor. And I immediately felt better whenever I started, even just doing yoga is so amazing for at least my body. Um, I've always had really great positive like side effects after doing yoga. So I'm really happy that I listened to my body. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm also going to my doctor this week. And I think I'm going to ask if I can get tested for like vitamin deficiencies, because as you might know, in Seattle, in the winter, it's rainy and gray and people tend to run very low on vitamin D. And that's one thing I want to make sure that I keep up on this winter because that can affect your mood. Is that like a leading cause of seasonal depression? I don't know if they're necessarily related, but it does affect your mood if you're low on vitamin D. But I don't want to say that vitamin D causes depression. I don't know. (laughs) You're not a doctor. Well, you can follow up after I'll ask your... my doctor, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and then another thing on top of eating habits and working out is I occasionally do what I call detoxes, but it's basically periods of time where I'll give up something or I'll cut back on something that I know isn't a healthy thing for me. So one example is over the past year, I've significantly cut back on alcohol um, and I've kind of limited it to just specific like social things. And then I've even gotten, you know, to the point where I've been like completely cutting it out for months at a time and have just not drank an alcohol. Um, and that's been a big change for me. I, I, I've always like, you know, thought of alcohol as like a social drink, or if you go to happy hour, like happy hours are great times to meet up with friends and things like that. So there's always a lot of alcohol around. And it's one of those things that's sort of hard to cut back on. But I started, and it's probably just getting older, but I started feeling the effects after a night of alcohol or even just a couple of drinks. I could feel that the next day. And so that was kind of like the trigger for me where it's like, okay, I don't want to feel this. So let me just try to cut this out and see what happens. I've been doing that. It also, I think I lost weight when I first started doing that. You hold a lot of alcohol weight, I guess. Um and that There's was a lot of carbs, one... especially in like beer. Yeah, exactly. So that was one great benefit of it. And then the other one that I'm doing right now is a coffee detox, which this isn't necessarily for health reasons. I don't actually think coffee is bad for you and, and it might actually have health benefits for you. But I'm a coffee drinker. I've, you know, drank coffee for, I don't know, many, many years now. Um, and I tend to be a daily coffee drinker, but I try to do this ab- about once a year where I'll just cut out coffee for a period of time. Maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's a month. Right now I'm on one week, but it's just to make sure that I'm not dependent on it and to be, I like to get back to the point where I can wake up and not think I need a cup of coffee in order to for like my brain to start working that day. 
And so this is the end of my first week and I, I feel great on it. Normally when I'm recording this podcast, I have to go get coffee first because this is kind of usually one of the first things that I do on on a weekend. And so I go get coffee, I record the podcast, but I feel great after not having coffee. And I'll probably try to stick with this for a couple more weeks at least. So do you not have like serious like headaches or other withdrawal symptoms? As I know, Matt is... I don't drink coffee at all. I've never have. I also don't drink a lot of alcohol, but I know Matt's a big coffee drinker and gets, you know, a midday headache if he skips his first cup of the day. Is that not you or? I had headaches at the beginning of the week and I don't know. I'm assuming part of it was due to coffee, but I also had some kind of sinus thing going on. And that was kind of like a different type of headache. The first days I felt very lethargic. The first day of work was pretty tough to get through, but it only takes maybe like a day or two. And then I think those symptoms go away. I mean, maybe it depends on like the, the person and like the level of caffeine that they intake daily. But for me, it's usually one or two days and then you're kind of back to normal. Oh, that's like really easy. And would you consider, I mean, if you like the taste of coffee, would you drink decaf or anything like that? I would. And I thought about doing that this week, but I didn't want to, I'm more of a kind of a cold turkey person when it comes to this type of thing. I don't want to even like give myself decaf to kind of give that taste of coffee because I don't want to be dependent on even a decaf cup of coffee in the morning, like a placebo cup of coffee. So I may, I really enjoy coffee. So I don't know that I'll do this forever. And I think maybe I will maybe just try to cut back, maybe do half-calf or decaf a couple of days. But yeah, that's something that I would consider. And my final note on this is not drinking coffee or not buying, you know, like a Starbucks a day and also not buying a lot of drinks whenever you are out are two great ways of saving money. So if you're ever thinking about cutting out or cutting back on coffee and alcohol and you just sort of like the social aspect and you need some more motivation, I definitely think the financial factor is very large, especially in a city where, like Seattle, where alcohol is quite a bit more expensive, I believe, than here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, definitely. And I haven't been going out like to bars and things like that lately, but if you even get like a cocktail or a glass of wine or something with dinner, it significantly increases your bill at dinner. So seeing bills be smaller at dinner has definitely been a benefit of that. Yep. And the more your bill goes up, the more your tip goes up. So I hate that. (laughs) Uh And then one final thing in terms of living a healthier life, I really, really love journaling. I have random journals from random years of my life and I, I've never been able to really keep up with it because it was always like long form journaling where I had a, an entire blank page of a notebook that I could fill up if I wanted and that was pretty daunting every night or you know the next morning whenever I wanted to journal but I love journaling I do think that there is a lot of great side effects of writing about your emotions and getting your thoughts down on paper and especially I know things like recently gratitude journals have been very popular and just making sure that you're aware of your life and appreciating it and um, working on yourself. Something that I bought right after Christmas last year was a one line a day journal. And 
it's one of those five-year ones. So you the date is at the top and then you have five sections and it's just like three or four lines. It's like the teeny tiniest little book and I can fit like maybe two full sentences if I want. So normally I do like really quick fragmented sentences and just like what I did that day or how I'm feeling or a big thing that's been going on or a big thing that I've been thinking about. And it's super quick. It's super easy. I could go a week at a time if I want and not do it. I actually really hate doing that because there's like maybe two days this year where I wrote, I have no idea what I did this day. (laughs) But I've been really enjoying it and I'm so excited that I'm coming up on the end of this year and whenever January 1st starts, I'll get to see what I did that day last year. So I'm very, very, very excited about this. And I was actually thinking that this would be like a good gift to give people because they're like 10 or 12 bucks and I really think that people... Or I hope people would like it as much as me. But so I love journaling. What about you? I don't tend to journal like that. Um, I used to keep a blog, which was kind of my way of looking back at the year. Now I tend to, I I think Instagram is really the only like social media that I really update regularly. And that's kind of my picture form version of keeping track of what I do. And it's not on a daily basis. It's more like the highlights of what I do. So if I travel or go to an event or something like that, but that's really where I keep track of that type of thing. Do you think that you'll look back on your journal like later in time? Is that part of the intention too? Um, Yes. And I think that with this like five-year journal, it's all built in. That would be even easier. But I actually just like last week pulled out my journal from the first year Matt and I started dating and I, I wasn't journaling when we started dating because I think reading that would be the funniest mm-hmm. thing in the entire mm-hmm. world but a few months in I was journaling and we had like so many laughs like reading it and just seeing like what I was angsty about that day <laughs> and I don't know just like stupid stuff or even like the happy things like oh I forgot we did that that was so much fun or I forgot that happened um so I definitely do look back on them And one of my favorite things that I've done in my life is I have lived abroad and traveled outside of the country plenty of times. And I actually have every single day that I've been out of the country, I have a journal for. And I absolutely love that. They're all in different journals. All six months in Argentina, I have, I think it's like an 80-page single-space Word document. And these are like paragraph long things. And it's just so, so funny to. Then I was like really angsty because it was like the beginning of college. And I was like, why do I keep complaining about these things? <laughs> but so I, I actually do go back and read them. Yeah. And I think it's really funny. Yeah, those sound like cool ones to look back years later, too. All right. So let's jump into one thing we can't stop thinking about this week. So I can start it off and talk about. The one thing that I have been, that's been on my mind this week, which has been cryptocurrency and blockchain. So we're recording this as Bitcoin specifically has reached um, new new heights. Um, It's it's been this way for the past couple of of weeks, but it reached a milestone this week, which is ten thousand, and then it even went up over eleven thousand shortly after. And I think right now it's just under eleven thousand dollars. I have been thinking about cryptocurrency and blockchain over the past year or so, but it's still been one of those things that is super complicated and I just didn't know enough about to even really be able to explain it to anybody. But with this new hype around it or the recent hype around it, I started looking into it more and specifically the blockchain technology, which I think is actually 
the the thing that we should be looking at when we hear cryptocurrency. I think the blockchain technology is really the thing that could revolutionize a lot of industries, actually. We actually watched uh, Banking on Bitcoin, which is a documentary on Netflix like two days ago because mm-hmm. Bitcoin, Matt's been very interested in Bitcoin because it's been in the news so much. And yeah, I think the same sentiment was said in that documentary, like while blockchain is like a one of the foundations of Bitcoin, it can be used in or actually like banks and financial yeah. institutions have already adopted this because of all of its benefits. So Yeah, it's really amazing where we could spend a whole episode talking about blockchain it's it's super i'm probably not the best person to to really explain it but it's essentially a technology that i believe it can't be hacked which is a new thing and it's kind of this decentralized ledger Mm -hmm. which makes it unique but yeah so that's what i've been thinking about and one thing that's been pretty cool is when i was in prague i went to i went to this coffee shop and it happened to only take bitcoin as currency and so they had an atm there so i had to put in money into the atm and then it loaded bitcoin into a wallet which is so you have like an app that's called a wallet and that's where your bitcoin is stored so i put in seven dollars and ninety cents is what it converted to in us in bitcoin and i spent over five dollars of that so i had i left with like two dollars and some change in my bitcoin wallet after going to that coffee shop and Mm -hmm. that grew to over $30. That $2.30 grew to over $30. I kind of forgot about it. I forgot that I had this wallet with Bitcoin because I really wasn't, I didn't know much about it at the time. But then when I, I opened up the wallet and I started checking it kind of, you know, every couple of months just to see what was going on. And that's insane to me that it grew that much. So that's kind of what got me interested in it. I had kind of this real world experience with it. Are you going to cash it in because they're at like all-time highs or just leave it because it's fun? No, because the more I read about Bitcoin, I really think that it can – I don't think it's done. I think it's just at the beginning. So this week – this week, the, actually just yesterday, there is an announcement that Bitcoin futures will now be traded on financial markets. So it's sort of a type of like not stock but something that you can invest in on a financial market – And that's really the first sign of big institutions really taking in this technology up to now. The government institutions, financial, the financial world has been kind of resistant of Bitcoin. But anyway, so with that new investment into Bitcoin, I think that it could, I mean, there's people that think it can go over 100K for a Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, so it's not the end of Bitcoin is what you're saying. (laughs) I, I personally don't think so. There's a lot of people that will tell you differently. Mm-hmm. All right. And then for me, I can't stop thinking about the Pod Save America podcast. So I've been ever since the 2016 election, I that was sort of a turning point for me. And I hope a lot of people where I was like, okay, I can't really ignore politics anymore. It's sort of become too big to ignore and too it's affecting me more now because I'm an adult and like, you know, my mom isn't taking care of me and all of that. So I've really spent the last year mainly on Twitter getting all of my political news. But a few weeks ago, I started listening to the Pod Save America podcast. It's a very liberal podcast, just throwing that out there. It's run by three or four guys who were uh, 
who worked with Obama in the White House. They were like speech writers and all in his team. They talk about the news in just a very digestible way, very quick. They're funny. They're extremely knowledgeable of what's going on. And they kind of say, this is what's happening. This is what this means. And this is what you can do about it if you either agree or don't agree with it. So I really like that they call on people to action on things. And they're just like, I think it's a very good resource for um, like just easily knowing what's going on. They upload like twice a week. So you get the most up-to-date news and it's just very it's easy and that's what i wanted yeah. cool yeah there um that's interesting because i just recently heard about this book from the photographer that worked with obama and essentially he was with obama almost 24 7 throughout his presidency like he captured every single moment and he published a book about it and apparently it's really really interesting Oh, nice. That does sound really interesting. I think I heard of this person, but that sounds really cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Grow Up Podcast. You can check out our links and show notes at realizeyourcareer.com on the podcast page. Thanks. See you next time.